Turn in your Bibles to chapter 10 of Hebrews. We are reading from chapter 10 today on our journey through this amazing book, which I believe is a sermon. And the preacher has been preaching up a storm about the greatness of Jesus. And in chapter 10, he's transitioned to our responsibility. You know, preaching's not preaching without some application, right? And he exhorted the readers, which would be Jewish believers in Jesus as their Messiah, scattered across the Roman Empire. They had suffered persecution, not only just for being Jews, and also for being part of the Roman Empire. Uh, the majority of Rome citizens were slaves. And now for being believers, which the Roman Empire was not happy about. And in many cases, their Jewish families weren't happy about. They were suffering on every hand, from within, from without, from families. And some were turning away from the faith and going back to their roots. And some were just backsliding, living a life of sin. And so in chapter 10, he tells them not to forsake assembling together and not to forsake exhorting one another so much more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. And then he issues a strong warning about going back into a life of sin, that you could get to a place of apostasy where there would be no restoration. I mean, you've trampled the Son of God's blood underfoot, and you people are doing this today. They call it deconstructing their faith. They're renouncing the gospel, having known the Lord and tasted the age to come. There's nothing to go back to, saints. Pressure can seem to be unbearable, but remember the times God has brought you through in the past. What brought you through in the past will bring you through in the future. You know, the enemy of our soul is not very creative. So if something rattled us in the past, he'll try it again and make you think, oh, it didn't work. No, it worked. You won that battle and you'll win this battle. Who's, who enjoyed a good meal yesterday? Who's hungry right now? It didn't work. <laughs> when Satan tempted Jesus, he defeated him with the word, and the Bible says he left Jesus till a more opportune time. He'll come back, whatever. And as humans, we have cycles in our uh, psyche, our physiology. There are cycles sometimes that make us more vulnerable to feeling defeat. And so in the midst of this exhortation, he reminds them of their past victories. And that's where we're interrupting the sermon. Verse 32, he says, but recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, after you were saved, after you'd become a believer, you endured a great struggle with sufferings. We have what persecution is in this country compared to what they went through. Needless to say, everything's relative, right? Partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations. Got mocked, made fun of, words taken out of context, accused of being insensitive or accused of being condescending or self-righteous or whatever, and troubles, maybe they lost their job, they lost business by persecution. And partly, next part of verse 33, partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. Maybe you're not suffering as a result of your faith, but you know someone who is. Can you help strengthen them? 
This is what they had done. For you had compassion on me in my chains. So many of them weren't in prison, but the preacher or the writer here, possibly Paul, was in prison and they took food to him. They had compassion on him. They took him a blanket or, or something to write with or books, or scrolls. And joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Sometimes neighbors are persecuted just by vandalizing your stuff, stealing from you. So he's saying, recall these days when these things happen, and here's why. Knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh, Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then, Lord, what will I do? Better stop. <laughs> Go bluegrass on you. So he's reminding them of the struggles they've had in the past to help them in the present, and he's reminding them of the treasures they have in the future to encourage him in the present. So we all live in the nasty now, right? But we can remember the struggles God's brought us through. Those memories or testimonies or treasures to draw from, to strengthen us for the current struggle. And then we can also remember the promises we have to look forward to. So we've got it on both sides of the now, the yesterday, today, and forever. And Jesus Christ, Hebrews says in another place, is the same in all three places. As a result of that, verse 35, therefore, do not, tell somebody don't, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. The pastor of the Brooklyn Tabernacle, Jim Cimbala, says, Christianity is a call to believe, but it does more than that. It's a call to keep on believing. Continue in your faith. And then he gives a reason for that. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. The word used for faith in the New Testament is a word, pistis, which means persuasion credence, conviction, in this case, of truth or the truthfulness of God. It's a reliance upon Christ for salvation. It's constancy in such a profession of faith. You just don't stop. It's a system of truth itself. We call, talk about the Christian faith, the same words used. Uh, the word faith or pistis means assurance, belief, to believe. means fidelity, so it relates to the word faithful. It means faith. University Press commentary said, faith is the assurance in God's future promises. It is assurance that enables one to persevere. Maybe you're on your way to, the, to your wedding, 
and it's the assurance of marrying the girl of your dreams. And everything in the world seems to be coming against you. Do you just give up? Well, it must not be mine. I must be bad luck. If it didn't have bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. No, you're going to persevere because of the assurance of the girl that said yes to your proposal. And so the Lord has said yes to our pleas and yes to our faith, and we're called to endure stuff. He said in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So that's a promise you don't have to claim. (laughs) It's going to happen. You don't have to pray for it. It's going to happen. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So what do we do in tribulation? We endure. We believe to the saving of the soul. Now he said the just shall live by faith. Faith. That is a quote in two other places, two or three other places in the New Testament. But also, let me look it up here. It's a quote from Habakkuk chapter 2, which Habakkuk is an unusual book. It's God telling the prophet Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, however you pronounce it, Hab, telling him stuff that's not necessarily encouraging, and Habakkuk responds. And then God responds. So it's these prophetic things happening back and forth. And having heard some bad news about enemy armies that are going to get the overhand of the rebellious nation that Habakkuk is part of, Habakkuk says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. So he stayed in that submissive position of the Lord's rebuke. The Lord answered and said, write the vision Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live their faith. This was a promise that in spite of the bad news, The just are going to overcome. They're going to live by their faith. So let's read this again. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. So God doesn't want us to be crybabies, but he wants us to stand up and be willing to endure and to continue believing in spite of difficulties. Verse 39, the last verse of chapter 10. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition or trouble but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. I don't want to turn this into Greek class, but the word believe is the word pistuo. It means to have faith in, upon, or with a person or thing. By implication, it means to entrust, in this case, one's spiritual well-being to Christ. To put in trust, with or in, to commit, to believe. Pastor Jason Lim from Singapore says, Bible-believing is confidence in God's Word in spite of present circumstances and possible consequences. You may suffer for what you believe, but you keep on believing because of your confidence in the Word of the Lord. Your family may mock you. You may be misunderstood and falsely accused, but keep on Believing what God has said. Now we arrive at chapter 11. Now the chapters and verses were put in there not when he was preaching, not when it was written, but centuries later 
so we could find our favorite passages quickly. Speaking of chapter 11, it reminds me of a joke. The world's wealthiest cowboys had a convention downtown Dallas. And at the saloon one night, they were talking about Christianity, and some of them credited the Bible with their prosperity. One said, you know, I got a real testimony about that. Every time I looked in the Bible, I saw the word cattle, livestock, goats, sheep. So I went into ranching and I made millions. Another rich cowboy said, you know, I did the same thing. But everywhere I looked, I saw the word water and I saw the word oil. And I went in the well drilling business and I am a very wealthy man today. An unbelieving cowboy said, I tried that. It didn't work. In fact, I don't even know why I'm here. You tried what? I tried the Bible too. I never saw the word oil or water or sheep or goats or cattle or livestock. All I saw was chapter 11. So I filed it. I've been broke ever since. (laughs) So chapter 11, let's read it in context. Verse 38, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So he's encouraging them to have faith, and he gives a definition of faith. He says it's the substance of things hoped for. Now, we saw what faith is. We saw what believing is. What is the word for substance? It is the word hypostasis. The word stasis means standing. Hupo means to, to be under. So it's an understanding or to stand under. Hypostasis is a setting under. It's a support. It's an essence. It's the assurance. It's confidence. It's substance. So you could say faith is the essence of things hoped for, or the assurance of things hoped for, or the confidence in things we are hoping for, the evidence of things not seen. One translation says, faith is assurance of promises hoped for and evidence for them while not visible. I don't have the fulfilled promise. All I have is faith. Now, we want to make sure that our faith is faith and not wishful thinking. We'll touch on that here in a bit. Verse 2, for by it, or by faith, the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So we know everything we see was made as a consequence of God speaking. But we also know that matter is made up of invisible atoms. So by faith, we understand these. Let's pray. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us from your word in such a way that we walk differently, that we walk by faith and not by sight. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's the verses I want to key in on. Verse 38, now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. 
Why would we want to go backwards? There's nothing to go back to. The Lord saved us. You know, nobody gets saved because they're having a great day. They're having a great day because they got saved, right? So when we get saved, it's the sick that need the physician. We had problems. That's what brought us to salvation. So why would we go back to problems? Well, I'm having current problems. Yes, but the story's not over. Walk through this trial by faith. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Some would say, first comes, first comes hope, then comes faith. I'm not sure we can delineate it like that. It's an interesting way of looking at it, though. Faith is the substance or the hypostasis, that which uh, we stand under of things that we hope for. I'd like to speak to you today on elements of living by faith. If we're going to live victoriously in this day and time, especially now, we have to learn to live by faith. Hebrews 10.38, again, now the just shall live by faith. That's reiterated in at least two other places in the New Testament and comes from Habakkuk chapter 2. 2 Corinthians 1.24 says, for by faith you stand. Can we say faith? Faith is not based on fantasy or wishful thinking, but is a reality based on what God has willed for us. It's not a verse pulled out of context that you claim for you. That might work, but it might not, because God may not have spoken that to you. Uh, there are other verses in the Bible as well. When I read to my daddy... The two verses in Psalms, it says, teach me, Lord, to number my days that I may know how frail I am. And the other one says the same thing. Teach me, Lord, to know how old I am that I may, that I may have a heart of wisdom. He rejected those. That was God's word for him. Now he's 82. He's refusing to believe that. He's claiming other verses about the Lord restoring his youth. But who knows? Death is still reigning, right? Christ conquered death for us. So we still have to face it till he puts it under our feet. That's called the great resurrection, right? So my father could reject those verses all day long, but they were still a reality in his life. Time is still marching on. We're all given 86,400 seconds every day. We're living in the dash between our birth and our death. And we live in the dash by faith, right? So one day you will die. And there are sicknesses that are unto death. But we don't know when our time is to go. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Nobody wants to go on this next load, right? All right, so faith is not based on fantasy or wishful thinking, but is reality based on God's will, what God has willed for us. It's based on his whole counsel. Faith is not limited by our lifespan, but by God himself. You know, faith isn't something you generate. God gives it to you. By grace are you saved through faith. And that is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. So faith is a fruit of the Spirit. And faith can be a gift of the Spirit where God gives you supernatural assurance in spite of insurmountable odds to stand strong. I believe building this building, a tiny congregation that we were, was not just an act of faith, but it was an operation of the gift of faith. God did it. We didn't conjure it up. 
So faith is not limited by our lifespan, but by God himself. In other words, if God's given you a promise, you don't have to be alive when it's fulfilled. How many missionaries have gone to a country to reach the country for Christ and died before they had much success? And today there are thriving churches there. Why? The faith God gave kept right on working. Elisha asked for a double portion of Elijah's spirit, and he died one miracle short of doubling all the miracles that Elijah had performed. Elisha was one short. I don't remember what the, what the number was. But sometime later, Elisha's grave got opened and they threw a dead soldier in there because they currently needed to bury him. And he landed on Elisha's bones and resurrected from the dead. So Elisha's faith was just sitting there waiting to respond. Even those who've died before us, they died in faith, Hebrews says. In faith of what? The great resurrection. That faith is still alive and it's going to be fulfilled because faith never dies. Can I get an amen? amen? So faith is not limited by our lifespan, but by God himself who is eternal. Faith comes from God. It's part of his nature. He's a faith God. He's a faith-giving God. And the faith he gives will fulfill what it promises, even though you may not be there to experience it. And the promises that God gives us are generational promises. Read the lives of the patriarchs. The promises given them were fulfilled in the lives of their children. That's how God operates. And faith is not, I have to say this, faith is not really a synonym for our relationship with God. It's become the politically correct thing to talk about my faith. Because the name of Jesus might offend somebody, I'm just going to talk about my faith. If you've done it, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I've done it. But in preparing, I'm convicted. I don't want to talk about my faith. I want to talk about my Lord in whom I have my faith. We, our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in the Lord, right? Faith, confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not See, so here's the elements of living by faith. Living by faith involves valuing the gospel highly. Romans 1, 16, before it gets into all the horrible things that God allows to happen in a culture, you got to read all of Romans 1 and go all the way to verse 11 of chapter 2, starting with Romans 1, 16 to 2, 11, to see the day in which we are living. It just is what it is. We can whine about it. It's not going to change a thing. It is what it is. And God in his judgments allowed all kinds of chaos. It's happening. But at the head of that bad news is this verse. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. So how do we live by faith? What does it involve? Not being ashamed of the gospel. 
not just not being ashamed, but valuing the gospel to the point that you want to share it with somebody. Tell them the story of redemption and the part it had to play in our lives, in your life, in my life. Living by faith involves listening for the Word of God. Not just to, not just hearing, but listening. That's active hearing. You ever, your spouse ever asks you something, do you hear me? Yeah, I hear you. Are you really listening though? Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing. How does hearing come? Hearing by the word of God. Now some people say, you, they see hearing twice, and they'll sell you tapes saying, hey, if you listen to this over and over again, you'll get faith. That's trying to work up faith. Faith is listening for a word from God. Listening, hearing the word of God. This word is, for word, is not logos, which is the general word of God. It's the word rhema. Rhema is a specific phrase, a specific word from God for you. And when we got saved, saving faith came when we heard the gospel. We heard the word of God for us. We were convicted. We knew we needed a savior. We knew our life wasn't working. We knew we had done wrong. And we wanted Jesus to be our Lord because of the faith that dawned in our heart because of the word that we heard. So it is hearing. But God gives you the hearing to hear his word. So it's active hearing, listening for the Word of God. That's what living by faith involves. Living by faith involves embracing the Lord's life within. We have this Savior who lives within us. He's not off somewhere far away from us. We're not deists. We're God's like the giant clockmaker who wound us up and let us go and he's doing something else he's very involved in our life a close intimate relationship with him galatians 2 20 paul wrote i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i who live but christ who lives in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith in the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me so Christ lives in us by faith. And our life now used to be our own. But we've been crucified, right? Meaning we've given up ownership of our life. We've embraced the cross and given him our life. And now his life is lived through us as we live a life of obedience to him. Paul prayed this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he, meaning the Lord, may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell, and we say dwell, may dwell in your hearts through faith. It's not visitation, that's habitation. And I pray that you being rooted and grounded or established in love may be able to comprehend what is the, the length, the depth, the height, and the width to know the love of God. So it's this inner presence of God that gives us strength. You're not alone. I'm not alone in life struggles. The elements of living by faith has to include this one. It's learning from Abraham's example. Read this. 
Paul goes on in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify Gentiles by faith preached the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. How was the gospel preached to Abraham? Well, it's good news. He was given the good news, in you the nations will be blessed. Now, the gospel, as we understand it, was experienced by Abraham firsthand when he was asked to give up his only son as a sacrifice. And as an act of faith, he obeyed God. For three days, his son was as good as dead as they made the journey to the mountain where the place of sacrifice would happen. And the lad, Isaac, the young man, said, Father, here's the wood, here's the fire, where's the sacrifice? And here is Abraham's confession of faith. The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. And at the last minute, before he offered his son up on the altar, he believed up until then that this miracle son, it was impossible that he had the son from his aging wife and his own aging self, God was able to raise him from the dead. So he had faith in the birth of his miraculous seed, and he had faith in the resurrection of his seed, and he had faith in God providing for himself a sacrifice. The angel stopped him, and the story says, this is in Genesis, the Lord pointed out a ram in a thicket caught by the horns. And he offered up the ram in place of his son. And God says, now I know where your heart is because you've not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And so through that close covenant relationship, God sent the world his son, the lamb of God, ram of God as it were, with thorns made from a thicket on his head, dying for the sins of the world on a wooden altar, the cross. So the gospel was preached to Abraham. And in him, all the nations of the world would be blessed. And so God was going to justify the Gentiles by faith, just as Abraham was justified by faith. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. We go on in the 11th chapter, verse 8 of Hebrews. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive it as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. We preached through Genesis a year or two ago. He just left his homeland and his family to go to a land that was promised him. Talk about an act of faith. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. So read about Abraham. Glean what you can from his story. He had these incredible promises that his children experienced the fulfillment of because he died short of receiving them. Isn't that amazing? The only land he actually owned in the promised land was a gravesite that he bought. Yet it was promised to him. That's the life of faith we're called to live. Talking about Abraham would not be complete without talking about Sarah, right? So the element of living by faith includes learning from Sarah's example. Look what the Bible says about her. Through, this is also in Hebrews 11, verses 11 and 12. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. 
So what is faith? It's deciding to believe that God is faithful and letting the case rest there. Therefore, sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, that's Abraham, and as so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore, innumerable. Huge descendants came from Abraham. Now through her came the Israelites, from them came the Jews, and for her came the Edomites, her grandsons, Esau and Jacob. But from Abraham came the whole Middle East. <laughs> Not just the Ishmaelites. But after Sarah died, he remarried a woman named Keturah, and they had at least six kids. I mean, God fulfilled his promise to him. God's promises are so huge, it takes more than a lifespan to experience it all. So just because something's impossible, don't reject it. So that's the elements of living by faith learning from Abraham and Sarah's example. Elements of living by faith include, it involves resisting our enemy steadfastly. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. Peter wrote in chapter 5 of his first letter, verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now, some people run from a roaring lion only to learn that he's not chasing them. They're running from the roar only to learn that they're running away into the jaws of the lionesses. So the enemy will threaten you with problems that if you respond to his threats by running away from your kingdom assignment, you'll run into bigger problems. Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. Knowing that you're not the only one. The same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Call somebody. Say, man, all hell's broken loose. Really, me too. Or, really, that's awesome. Let me tell you, tell you what the Lord did when this was going on in our lives. And finally, the elements of living by faith involves keeping an eternal perspective. Keep your eyes on the prize. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith, not by sight. I'm not moved by what I see. He's working through me. 2 Corinthians 4 says, for this slight momentary affliction, that's how Paul looked at our problems, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison because we look not at the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient. They're temporary. But the things that are unseen are eternal. If it's the word of God, and it contains promises you do not yet see. It does not disprove their reality. Because we live in a world made up of invisible things, right? The Word of God and the atoms, right? So that's the elements of living by faith. What does this have to do with me? 
Duh. Look what just happened this week. Fulfillment of faith, answer to prayers, right? The culture's in shock. Not a time to gloat. but It's a time to walk forward and obey God and meet the needs that are around us. Value the gospel highly, no matter how the Lord may be mocked. Value the gospel in your heart. Listen for the word of God. What is God directing us to do, to you to do? Embrace the Lord's life within. Draw closer to the Lord. This is not the time to live the Christian life in neutral, saints, but with purpose. And learn from Abraham's example. This is Christianity 101, living by faith. This is what it's about. Well, they told me I would live my best life now. Well, it's probably an encouraging book full of pep talks, but it's not the truth. Our best life now is, okay, this may be the best life you're going to live now, but it's not the only best life you're going to live. It's going to be a better life then, right? Resist the enemy steadfastly. Go to prayer. Go to rebuking. Don't go devil hunting, but when he's there, deal with him, right? He likes it when we go hunting for him because it's a total distraction. Oh, pastor, covens are casting spells on us. Oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? Sorry for mocking that, but I grew up in the jungles of West Africa for a year. So I guess part of my growing up was there. They beat the drums all night long trying to conjure up spirits. You could hear the drums for miles, and we slept like babies. In fact, I enjoyed the music. Oh, shouldn't you bind the powers of darkness? Well, missionaries before us may have done that, but I had a normal childhood. That stuff is keeping people in bondage, so we need to pray for the poor victims. One day out on the edge of our driveway, I saw the remains of what had been a teddy bear. A pile of ashes, and there's a teddy bear's arm, leg, other leg, other leg. And I thought, oh, somebody's tried to conjure up some spell. I didn't rebuke one demon. I prayed for the soul of the person that's deceived, thinking that's going to help them. Because there is a promise in the Bible that if a curse doesn't find a place to land, guess what it does? It goes back to where it came from. So that person needs to live. People that dabble in that risk losing their will to live. So we need to pray for those that are bound up in witchcraft. Right? We had a homeless guy living with us for a while, and he told us about uh, them meeting at a gazebo, and conjured up spirits so much that they were levitating. He believed they were. I don't know that they were. And there he was living in our house because his life was a total mess. Demons do not bless. They devour. They come to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So there's no threat. So one time on a Sunday morning at Country Love Theater, I was preaching, and I noticed a tickling in my throat while I was preaching. I took a sip of water and just kept right on going. Some girl was out in their station wagon rattling bones, I found later, trying to conjure up something. The devil is a mouse with a megaphone, I'm telling you right now. (laughs) There's more power in you than you realize. And I'm not convinced that demons are fallen angels anyway, because I've got Bible that says they're chained in darkness. So we're dealing with possibly one fallen angel that can travel at the speed of light. Look at all that he's done, all the chaos, through lies. And when we believe lies, guess what? We help him out. 
I am so far off script. I, <laughs> if I offend somebody, I wasn't. I didn't plan on it. Keep an eternal perspective. Lord, I pray that your word would bear fruit in our lives and we would be people who are excited to live by faith, excited to help those that are hurting. Lord, help us look for opportunities to buy gas for single moms, to buy groceries for the same kind of person in the grocery store, to show the love of God to people that are hurting. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that we no longer be distracted by the cultural war, but that we stay in the spiritual war and fight for the souls of men. Lord, may we not be ashamed of the gospel. It's not changed. We've not gone to plan B. We're not running to our caves to live on our tribulation food, but we are moving forward by faith in spite of what happens. Thank the Lord for the glorious past that we had as a nation. But now, Lord, we move forward and we pray, Lord, that the kingdom of God would shine brighter and brighter every day. In Jesus' name, amen. You are the medicine, the only cure for everything I
Thank you so much for your names. Thank you so much. Lord, give us a greater understanding of who you are in us and through us and to us and for us. If you're for us, who can be against us? Neither height nor depth nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you. I have to, when I go off script, I have to sometimes come back and balance things. I do believe there are demons. I do believe there are evil spirits. I'm just not convinced they are the fallen angels that are chained up in darkness. I, I don't see how that works. So where do they come from? Well, there's some theories out there. You know, you can study it if you want, but let's get caught up in who he is. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. God bless you. Go get him, tigers. <laughs>